Welcome to Public Showering, created by me, Sophie Duncan. This is the only podcast designed specifically for pole artists, aerialists, and movers of all kinds who want to learn how to build amazing choreography, tell your stories, and be the best performer you can be. Part of my Sadasi Creative Coaching System, I'll help you unlock your full fierce and creative selves using professional dance, theater, choreography, and circus tools, plus a hint of real-life backstage stories and some simple confidence-boosting skills. Hi, friends. Welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you with me again on my third podcast (laughs) which is very exciting so already I've done a couple of podcasts my first one was about everyone can dance my second one was demonstrating versus doing and this one is one that actually it's something that has been suggested to me um, after I've done a couple of little online polls and also um, something that actually just does get asked to me quite a lot and the question is where do I start (laughs) good question very, very good question. And so I wanted to make this as one of my sort of introductory, introductory, sorry, uh, Sodasi podcast, because it is a big, big, big issue. It's not a big issue. It's a big, it's a big question. And um, it's one that I will go into in a lot more depth. But just because I want to give you a taste of, again, the kind of stuff that you're going to find with my Sodasi training system, um, I'm going to talk a lot about how you can start things and different kinds of ways to start things. Like I'll talk about um, starting from music, starting from a text, starting from just a concept um, and all these. And I'll do things in far, far, far more greater detail in bigger podcasts and also they will probably become some of my online webinars uh, where we can actually have sort of feedback and stuff that will be like an hour and a half long but I thought I'd do it in one of my quick sort of 15 minute intro ones because I just think you may as well get a taste of it because why not it's a fantastic question so as a way to have a little bit of a reference um, I'm going to talk about some of the routines I've created in my short and sweet and marvellous pole career um and sort of how they all came about, because I think I may as well tell you about the way I start, and then I can talk in more detail of how you can start things. So I'm going to start with my first ever poll routine. And in terms of the reason why I did it is purely because I needed a challenge, which I think honestly is the reason why most of us do things like um, a poll competition or a showcase, is normally we have some kind of drive to do something and normally that drive in my opinion is something like a I want to prove that I can do it and b I have a story to tell I think for me these are the sort of strongest factors usually because we like to show our friends and family that we're achieving and it's a very human thing and we like it and the other thing is normally you have to have some sort of passion like even as a performer so bearing in mind I perform almost every single night of the week, like in London cabarets and stuff. And the performances I do then have a completely different vibe because they're just me doing skills that I know. And I still, though, I still have a character. I still like it. I I still have a different vibe. And my reason for doing that is because I want to wow my crowd and I want to, like, you know, set the roof on fire. That's why I do that. But it's still a completely relevant reason as to why we want to do things because we like to show off. So we do like to show off. Even if you think that you are the most unconfident person in the world, you're still showing off. 
in a good way, in a very positive way. And we all need to respect the fact that we've learned some big old skills that people can't just go ahead and do. You can't just be a pole dancer. You can't just be an aerialist. You can't just be a doctor. You know, these are big old skills and we should show the world what we're doing. So in this showcase, the first time I ever did it is because I didn't know, I'd never made a pole routine before. And yeah, I just wanted to show it off. And the only idea that I really had in my mind at the time, and it seems to be a go-to character, because in like a really perfect circle of choreography that I've made, the first piece I ever made was a drunken ratchet character. And the most recent piece I ever made was a drunken ratchet character. It's just sort of the graduation <laughs> over about four years of, of my pole journey, which is kind of ironic, really. But hey, you know, it takes one to know one, I guess. And... The reason why I like the drunken character, I mentioned it actually in my demonstrating versus doing um, podcast, the previous one, is there's something fun about a drunken character. You know, they're really erratic. They're really silly. They're going to do things you're not expecting. And it also gives you personally the agency as a performer to kind of mess with the audience and mess with the judges. And I got started on that routine because I wanted to play a drunk and what's great about that is it gives you access to a number of things. First of all, it gives you a movement language. And I've spoken about this before in the everyone can dance thing. If you give yourself a concept like I'm going to dance like a drunken person, I'm pretty confident that every single person listening to this podcast or any other <laughs> any other person not listening to this podcast, if you say dance like a drunk person, pretty much everyone will pretend they're in a nightclub, dip their head down a little bit and dance slightly offbeat. That's essentially what happens, okay? Um, so that's how, we, how, that's how that started. So in terms of how you're going to do that, think about what your character would look like. Because of course, let's take an obvious example, like an older person. Let's say our character is 80 years old. A good way to start is to think about how your character would move, not how you move, how your character would move in that given circumstance. So the given circumstance, again, is a podcast I'll can big old talk about. The given circumstance in my situation was that my character is drunk, therefore they dance like this. My character is drunk, therefore it's probably a good idea if I have a bottle on stage. My character is drunk, therefore in terms of costume, I can kind of wear whatever I want because I wanted her to look like she was probably in a hotel room and she's half naked and doesn't really care which is good because obviously as pole dancers we need to be aware of what clothes we're actually wearing and usually it's underwear because we need to stick to the pole right so having a character where their costume makes sense is also very relevant and also an interesting place to start so a good way to bear that in mind um so when i did that showcase that's how she happened. That's how she existed there. But when I changed it into a more serious number um, for my first ever pole competition, was which was Pole Idol, I really went in in the character and actually the character became Marilyn Monroe because I wanted the character to be more fabulous. So a good thing to think about when you're starting choreography is what is the status of my character? In terms of what class are they? Are they poor? Are they rich? Are they somewhere in the middle? Are they working class? Because it will, again, help you demonstrate how you're going to perform things. It's an interesting place to think about. So, of course, Marilyn Monroe, fabulous Hollywood millionaire, <laughs> she's, there's going to be a way how she's going to present herself. She's going to stand differently. She's going to like open her chest. She's going to look up. And again, if you study, um, if, you're, if you're thinking about a character, really go in on that character. Find 
um, any kind of newspaper article or if, you know, if they're alive now, look at interviews. Um, if they are a character like Marilyn Roth who passed away, there's absolutely loads of interviews where she explains things and there's always a subtext about her. And the reason why I wanted to make that piece and why this is important is at the time I was really kind of shockingly upset by the passing of Robin Williams. Um, I can't explain why. It wasn't, he wasn't a hero to me. I thought he was a wonderful actor and comedian. But what got me was the fact that there's a screen that I guess us as mere mortals put between ourselves and celebrities. And it shocked me that someone could uh, commit suicide and it made me think, what are we not seeing behind the closed doors of a celebrity? Of course, they go home and feel like crap sometimes, you know, to the point where they're not able to, to live anymore. And so I wanted to find this. It was an emotional story for me because I, I thought about how it must feel, even though you are one of the most incredible, beautiful, famous people in the world and life is just too much for you and you feel like people aren't able to see you for you but see you as a celebrity and how much pressure we as normal people put on celebrities i i found that really interesting and so that helped me build the emotional impact between my audience who are of course very very important and the character so when you're making your pieces, think about your audience in terms of what is the story I'm telling and why is it important? Because I wanted people to feel sad about the character. And that was interesting to me. So that's that's one way to start is think about your emotional reaction that you want from your audience. Why? What do you want them to feel? Because that's important. And not in a really shallow kind of way, like I want them to cry you've got to get into people's minds. You've got to kind of figure out why someone would be sad about Marilyn Monroe, this incredible movie star. Why? Um, the next piece that I made um, was purely based on music. Um, and I didn't know what to do. It's for UK PPC, which I knew wasn't a storytelling competition, so to speak, but there is there are themes and things. But it's my first time doing that. And I guess in that point, I still felt like I was a very new pole dancer. And with that piece... I remember distinctly finding my music because, again, it made me cry. Emotional response. Interesting. I was walking across this huge bridge in Macau. Like, it's literally a mile long and no one really walked across it, but I really wanted to find music, so I went on a music-finding mission. And I just wanted I wanted something kind of rock and roll and heavy. And I landed on the Peaky Blinders um, soundtrack on, on, um, on Spotify. So I just kept listening to things. And from nowhere, this... Jack White track, Love is Blinding, or sorry, Love is Blindness, just popped up and I suddenly got tingles. In fact, wow, talking about it right now, I actually just got tingles, which is interesting. Um, again, important, guys. If you ever get like tingles because of something that you've made, really useful, really useful. Figure out why that happened. It's very, 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 very useful. So for that, the music was the power because I thought if I get this emotional response on this piece of music, other people are going to too. And that was a story about someone being so so in love they just wanted to die it was just so hectic and I liked that ferocity I liked that rock and roll like punk thing so my piece was like that and I wanted to arrive in the UK kind of being badass and be like who the hell is Sophie Duncan just rocking up from nowhere and I kind of went for it and I guess it landed the second sorry the third piece I made was I really wanted to tell a story like a proper proper theatre theatre story and so what I wanted to do there was I really wanted 
I wanted to sad something and I really was inspired by this music from Alt J um, called Adeline. And the character of Adeline in the song is they're just sort of wishy-washy. I don't know if you know the music of Alt J, but they're quite like wishy-washy of what they talk about. But I like the idea that you could hear as an audience this 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 piece of music moves. It really feels like you're going on a on a journey. So this is how I invented the traveller, this piece. Um because I could not get this image out of my mind of seeing a piece of paper on stage and already in the story, somebody arriving on stage, ready to go away somewhere and, and the audience expecting this incredible excitement of like, oh, something great's going to happen. And then seeing this piece of paper and then suddenly this entire world is is destroyed. And it was really strong. And that the that story was all about a decision. It's a kind of a basic idea, but it was about a decision that wasn't made by the person. It was made by somebody else. And so I wanted to tell a story where everyone really wanted this character to win. They'd seen something happen on stage which clearly ruined them. And the whole piece was about whether this girl... For me, it was it was a girl going to war. So it was set in sort of 1943. Um, somewhere in the Second World War for me. And it was all about... Am I strong enough to go and 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 go for the war with my suitcase? Can I can I go forward in this world or can I not? So in terms of how to get started there, I had this concept of a decision. So in terms of the movement, it gave me access to this kind of like shall I shall I not? Shall I shall I not? Can I go here? Can I not? And the music itself has an incredible build. It has a great crescendo. So it's really important when you're finding your music again as a way to start find music that's interesting if you find a music that's kind of just long and drawn out and monotonous it's really really hard to choreograph to because there's no crescendos there's no ups and downs and in my next podcast i'm going to talk a little bit more about that because it's you know picking music is is a challenge um i'm going to speed on a little bit (laughs) um to talk about um my pro- I think it's my favourite piece, but the piece is called Last Breath, and it's named after the um, the, f- the film that my grandfather, my grandfather, my godfather, was a part of. Um, I think I might have to do a separate a separate podcast just for this. Um, but that piece of me had the biggest emotional response of anything I've ever made because originally I was going to make a piece that was actually about uh, my family. So another another great place to start is to find a story that you already know in terms of like your family, um, a story that resonates with you. So I'm from a working class mining background, working class mining background. Sorry about that. And I know all these stories and I lived in a place where you would see like the big mining wheels everywhere and most of my family would sort of talk about this and stuff. So I know all these stories and I was going to make a piece about that and I saw the film that my godfather was in and I strongly recommend if you haven't seen it, luckily it's still on Netflix so please go check it out. It's called Last Breath and it's sort of like a, it's a completely true story but there's interviews from the people that were involved, live camera footage of what actually happened and then sort of reenacted footage of what happened as well. It's a very beautifully made film. And I just basically got an early copy of it because he was, you know, it's my family. So I managed to get a copy of it before it went out into cinemas. And I remember watching that and I wept like a baby. Yes, because my godfather is in it and he's and he's basically the hero in it, which is really, really cool. It's just very like, oh my God, I'm so proud. Um, 
But what got me from a emotional standpoint was, oh my God, this is an insane story. I can't believe someone I know has literally saved someone's life. This is insane. And I was crying like I've never cried before. And I'm like, if that's not powerful enough to put on stage, I don't know what is. I have no idea what is. Um, and then the next thing was the music in the film was insane. So stunning. Absolutely just, oh my goodness me, I cannot even, cannot. The composer is a guy called Paul Leonard Morgan, who I, as I researched, he'd actually done loads and loads of stuff for like actual Hollywood films and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, oh my days, insane. And I was like, right, I'm going to make this piece. So again, as a starter, you can absolutely make a piece completely based on a film. And lots of us do it. It happens all the time. We see it in Paul Theatre all the time that you'll have a film and someone will condense the entire film into a five-minute piece, which is really hard work and it's also really fun when you get into it. Um, and again, when I do my sort of podcast on starting from film, I'll go more into that. But when you get a 90-minute film, <laughs> you've got to make it into a five-minute story. That's a challenge, but very, very possible. So what you need to do in that moment is you are not trying to tell the entire story of the film. Don't try and do it. It won't happen. Don't. <laughs> what you need to do is have an introduction. You need to set the scene. That's the first part. And this kind of applies to any story you're telling, actually, um, whether it's your own personal story or whatever. Have an intro. You've got to set the scene. We have to understand as an audience that, let's say, this is a house. This is a bedroom. In my case, I was under the sea, <laughs> which is difficult. Um, but you've got to set the scene. And what a lot of us do is we use text to try and explain the scene so we can get people to do it more. I would advise you to try and make as much as you can without telling people what's going on. If you need to insert words, do it later. But otherwise, try and do it in movement first, because otherwise you're going to complicate things. And actually, by not having words, it forces you to simplify the movement and choose more carefully things that make sense. So if you want to start and you're trying to tell a story, but the story is just far too long for your story, block out your story into components of the most important parts, as in without this, the story just doesn't make sense. So let's say, I don't know... You can't have Romeo and Juliet without the party in the middle where Romeo and Juliet meet. <laughs> if they don't meet, the entire story doesn't exist and nobody dies, right? You've got to have that. You've got to have that they... There's the... The families are having a... <laughs> the families are at war. They meet. Jeopardy happens. They run away. Then they die. <laughs> in fact, with Romeo and Juliet, you don't even really need to tell that somebody dies because we actually know that. It's like a big story, right? So <laughs> we don't need to. In the second sort of level, once you've got all the things that you need to make the story work, which realistically should be about an important fact per minute. Okay, so if you've got a five-minute routine or three-minute routine, you've got, you've got about an important fact every max 40 seconds, otherwise about every minute, okay? Because we can't take more than that as an audience. We, there's not enough time. <laughs> So then, then you have your next layer, which is like other pieces which enhance this story. And then if you've got time, you have the fluffiness that goes around it of other elements that would be cool to be in, but I can still tell the story if they don't exist. So you try and layer it out like that. It will really help how you're going to tell your story. Um, and yeah, so with, with that piece, it was really difficult because I was using text. I needed the text because it was incredibly hard to explain 
about the sea and also the film's a documentary so I wanted everyone to hear the documentary as I was going through it um yeah oh my god that still is my favorite piece in the world it it, it really it really really is um and like I said I will do another podcast about that particular one because it was a it was a big big <laughs> big big thing so so I don't make this podcast about a day long because I really could um, these are basically some of the ways that you can start. Um, number one, find a music which is has crescendos, which means it gets more epic, basically, and then calms down again. Um, don't find music that's monotonous, because it's going to be boring and we don't like it. As an audience, we just don't like it. Um, number two, start with something that hits you emotionally and I don't mean emotionally sad emotional doesn't mean sadness emotional just means something that's like it takes you away if you get tingles when you start talking about the idea that's a very good indication of if it's good if it's funny funny is only as funny if you have something to make it sad as well and this happens with happy and sad to make sad really land you need to make the happy happen too and vice versa a good way to start. If you want to make a sad piece of choreography, it doesn't need to be sad all the way through. Find a way to tell everyone that once upon a time I was happy and now I'm not because of this. <laughs> Number three, if you've got a very complex story that you want to play with, find the information that's relevant. Okay? Find the point that happens every 40 seconds or every minute which you need to make this story make sense and then filter out everything else because trying to tell too much at once just makes us like super confused and we just can't even cope <laughs> so anyway there's three ways to start um and i have about eight thousand ways to start so <laughs> otherwise it's been an honor and a pleasure as always and i'll be having a couple more podcasts coming out very soon so make sure you stick around love you bye bye if you're loving what you've been hearing in the Public Showering Podcast, you have to experience Sadasi. www.soduncan.com slash Sadasi. It's the online community that is everything you've been hearing in public showering, plus so much more. It's where you can get one-to-one -one help bringing all these ideas to your own work. It's where you can learn new creative coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will blow your mind even more. And it's where you can hang out and chat with other Sadasi members just like you and help each other unlock your creative potential. It's fun, it's chill, and I'm there for you when you need that little bit of extra support. So come join us at www.soduncan.com slash Sadasi. It's been a pleasure to have you with me today. I'll see you there. Love you, bye-bye. <laughs>